0: And now for something completely different. Ah! Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story, real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show with Lance Roberts. Presented by RIA Advisors. And good morning and welcome to the show. Of course, it is uh, Monday as we kick off the middle of April. and. getting ready to already starting to move into summer months here as we, you know, get through this month, May, right around the quarter course, the school, summer starts. So again, uh, moving fast through the year already. It's hard to believe right in the midst now uh, as of Friday, kicking off earnings season with J P Morgan and Bank of America kicking off earnings again. You know, that helped, you know, gives some, a little bit of relief, right, to this whole banking crisis sector thing. There are at least their initial earnings. On JP Morgan's side is a good example. We're very, very good with a 49% increase in net interest income. Not surprising when they get 4.5% from the Fed and they give you nothing on uh, money market rates. <laughs> it tends to work out really well for their balance sheet. But again, that gave a little bit of relief to the financial sector. Markets sold off anyway on Friday, primarily due to much weaker than expected retail sales. Now, as we've been talking about for a while, the retail consumer continues to remain under pressure. Not surprising, now because of higher inflation and those type of things, we're starting to see that that weakness show up in the retail side, uh, retail sales side of the ledger. But again, what we're going to need to see here, though, is a continuation of that. You know, it's been very interesting uh, to kind of watch what's been going on. You know, within the economy, it's just been kind of one hit after another, but. You know, the market's been fairly resilient here and uh, really over the last you know, few weeks here, we've had a very nice rally in the market coming off of those lows that we had set back in February and March, you know, following the whole, you know, Silicon Valley Bank crisis, etc. Those concerns have been somewhat alleviated, of course, as the Federal Reserve has stepped in, the Treasury has stepped in, assuring depositors that they won't, you know, lose money, they'll be fine. And again, we haven't seen any more uh, real, you know, kind of issues with banks over the last few weeks. Now, again, this week, importantly, we are going to be seeing results from a lot of regional banks. Now, we're going to start stepping down the scale here a little bit from the majors, uh, of course, of J.P. Morgan, et cetera. Now, moving down into these smaller and, oh, I would say mid-sized to smaller banks, Uh, this week. And so this is going to be really the first look. You know, money was flowing out of banks, uh, the smaller banks, into the big banks like JP Morgan. So again, they're not really the concern. We're not going to have another banking crisis of a Lehman Brothers type moment that we saw back in 2008. But we could have more banking issues with banks in that smaller kind of regional area, kind of more reminiscent of the savings and loan crisis back in the 80s. So, again, we could see some more of that. We're going to see that in earnings as we start to see these banks report. Of course, Friday did kick off the actual official earnings season for quarter one. So now we're going to be looking at all these quarter one earnings reports coming in over the next couple of weeks. May the 5th, uh, so just a couple of weeks from now, when we get to May the 5th, we will have about 88% of the S&P 500 reporting. So we're going to have a really good take by the end of this month about just how robust earnings are and really what's what's going to be key here, and we've said this before, is what, these, what do the CEOs say about the economy and the markets and their outlook? Are things getting better? Are they still worried? CEO confidence as of the end of last quarter, that comes out quarterly. We'll be getting an update from Matt here soon. But CEO confidence as of the end of the year, was at some of the lowest levels on record. Again, their outlook, not great. Did that improve in the first quarter? That's what we want to see from these earnings reports. So again, this morning, futures are slightly positive. The Dow's up about 25, 26 points. S&P's up about 6 right now. So again, you know, there's not a lot of overall concern in the markets at this point. And And again, this has been kind of frustrating, again, for a lot of people that... You know have a much more bearish view on the economies like oh my gosh you know we're going to have you know a big recession and those type of things yet it really hasn't materialized yet at least not in the markets again we did have a bit of a correction last year in the markets not surprising uh, we had because we had such a big run-up going back to you know 2020 2021 you know we just had this very very big advance in the markets Um, following the pandemic shutdown. So, yeah, it wasn't surprising to see the markets pull back here a bit. And so we did have this kind of corrective phase, but the market's been doing a nice job here since October of bottoming, holding those bottoms, and again, just kind of trending here higher. It's been been sloppy, but the market's just been kind of trending higher here, not really doing anything wrong, uh, and just really consolidating This really outsized advance that the markets had back in 2020, 2021, because of all of that stimulus. So again, that stimulus came into the system, created the supply, demand, imbalance that led to a big surge in earnings. Expectations are now, of course, is that what are we going to do next, right? This is going to be the big question. Markets right now, expecting the Fed to start cutting rates as soon as June. But again, as we've said before, without really a a recession or some type of event, financial crisis, etc., not really much of a reason for the Fed to cut rates. So markets kind of you know, holding up well, rallying well here over the last several weeks, but again, not really doing anything of importance really in one direction or the other. Markets are getting a bit overbought here short term. So again, a little bit of sloppiness here won't be surprising. And so as we get into earnings here over the next couple of weeks, again, that's really what's gonna be driving markets. So don't be surprised here. If we get a little bit more market volatility as, as we start getting, you know, I, I would suspect what will be more hit-and-miss earnings. I think some companies will do well. Tech companies probably did okay in the last quarter. Other companies that are more consumer-oriented, consumer-based companies, probably didn't do as well because of just slowing economic spending by customers. We're seeing that slow down, again, as the retail sales showed for the, for the month of March. We're starting to see that hit to to uh, to the actual individuals, but again, other companies that are more business to business may be doing okay. So again, it, it could be a very spotty earnings season. So a bit of volatility pick here uh, pickup here won't be surprising um, at all. So just be aware of that because market's still on a buy signal right now. Again, nothing you know inherently wrong with the markets. Again, lots of negative media headlines. Markets tend to climb a wall of worry, and that's kind of what has been happening here as of late. So again, we'll just some things we'll just have to keep a watch on. No real clear indication of where the markets are going right now. But one thing I want to talk about coming back after the break, I was doing uh, Fox Business on Friday with Charles Payne, and just before me was Liz Ann Sanders from Charles Schwab, and she made a very interesting comment that had me thinking all weekend about the idea of a recession. And what's been going on in the economy, and what the impact to the markets is, and why markets have actually been holding up a whole lot better, and in spite of all this, you know, big news, right? Whether it's SPACs or IPOs or commercial, uh, residential real estate. Now everybody's a commercial real estate expert. So just over the weekend, just news article after podcast about the coming commercial real estate crisis. Um, that's been known for a while. And now everybody's focused on it because, well, the banking crisis is now behind us and the IPO spec crash is behind us. And again, she made this very interesting comment that may explain somewhat about why the markets are being so resilient right now despite the fact of what's going on with higher rates, less monetary accommodation, et cetera. So all that's coming up. Be sure you get by our website, of course. Our newsletter is out this weekend talking about as inflation is easing, the big question right now is the Fed next. Will they start easing next on the the path of inflation? That's on the website now. Of course, we also touch on earnings as well since we're starting earnings season. That's on the website, realinvestmentadvice.com. Of course, we'll be right back after the break. you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com Retirement's not what it used to be. And knowing how health insurance works after you leave your job is vital. Our next Lunch and Learn will tackle transitioning to Medicare. Thursday, May 11th with Danny Ratliff and Richard Rosso. How will Medicare work with the insurance you already have? What are the deadlines you need to know for signing up for Medicare? Register now for our Transitioning to Medicare Lunch and Learn with Ratliff Rosso at Real Investment dot com, Real dot com, The Real Investment Show. So, uh, Welcome back to the show this morning, by the way. Um, So, like I said, on Friday, I was doing an interview with Charles Payne on Fox Business. And Lizanne Saunders was on just before me, so I could hear her, um, you know, in my headset while she was talking. And she made a very interesting comment about why the market has been holding up so well relative to what's going on kind of in you know, kind of overall, really, since last year. And, you know, you think about what we've been through, right? We had an 80% drag on speculative non-profitable tech, right? Huge decline in some of those stocks, you know, the Roku's of the world, et cetera. A lot of those stocks were down 70, 80, 90% from their peaks um, in the first couple of quarters of 2023. i oh, sorry, 2022, I forgot what year I'm in. Um, of course, they had had a huge run up in 2021 and 2020 because of all the speculative frenzy that was going on in the markets because you injected $5 trillion of liquidity, of course, into, into the, the bank accounts of individuals. And so they went and, you know, speculated in the financial markets. So that was all fine, uh, you know, and good. And then we had following that, then you then you had kind of the used car debacle right? So a lot of used car prices came down. And then you had, you know, kind of the onset of the real estate decline. Real estate prices started coming down around the country. Now, this is latter in the year. So latter, of last, latter part of last year. And then this, early this year, you then have a banking crisis, right? Silicon Valley Bank, et cetera. Fed's hiking rates, which historically isn't great for markets. But yet the markets have really held up very well overall. And as a, you know, if you take a look at, you know, where we are, yes, the markets were down about 20% last year, but my gosh, you had a huge advance in 2020, 2021. And yeah, you so you gave up about a third of that advance, which that would be in a normal market environment if 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 we were in just kind of a normal environment, right? X 2020, 2021, prior to that. If you had a, a year where the market was up, you know, 10 12%, and then the market was down, you know, 4 or 5% the next year, it's like no big deal, right? It's a correction. Because the market was down 20% last year, everybody's like, oh, my gosh, bear market. Well, not really yet to put it in context that you were up so much in 2020, 2021. You've just had a correction, really, of a little bit of that advance. Most of that advance is still encapsulated in the financial markets. And this is one of the reasons why, also why the Fed hasn't been panicking as of late because, again, when they look at the markets, they look at it in a longer-term time frame, and they say, well, the wealth effect is still clearly, clearly there. right? We haven't given up you know, all the advances that we made in 2020-2021, in and now markets are rallying again. And so the point she made was, is you know, everybody keeps asking the question, right? In the mainstream media, every time I do, you know, mainstream media, the only question is, is you know, either inflation or recession. That's, that's the two big questions, right? Going to have a recession. It's obvious. It's apparent we're having a recession. And doesn't that mean stocks have to decline a lot more? And, and historically, that would be the case. Yes, if you said, look, a, a recession's coming, and during recession, stocks lose on average about 33%. That's, hist- that's history. That's what it tells us. Now, we're already down 20%. We haven't gotten to the recession yet, theoretically. right? At, le- at least the National Bureau of Economic Research has not dated the recession. And so if we assume that the National Bureau of Economic Research will date the recession, let's just say that they date the recession starting on January the 1st of 2023. Let's just assume that for a moment. Markets were down 20% last year. So the markets declined in advance of the declaration of a recession. So if markets decline on average 33% during a recession, then, well, we've already got 20% of that 33% out of the way. So that limits some of the downside risk. But the point that, that Lizanne uh, made, which I thought was important, is that while we've not had a declaration of a recession, we've been kind of going through this rolling recession. You know, we took a hit in non-profitable tech, then we took a hit in real estate. Then we took a hit in banking. You know, and, and markets are and, and this is giving the markets time to adjust for these factors. And again, normally what happens in a lot of cases is that things kind of hit all at once, right? You and this is what everybody's been expecting is everybody's waiting for this recession to where the bottom falls out of the market. And all of a sudden, it's a recognition. is like, well, we have this big economic decline and stock prices are falling and earnings are collapsing, etc. Yeah, I'm not saying that still can't happen. Right. But one of the interesting and it's an interesting premise to think about, well, earnings have taken a hit a little bit, not a lot, but they have taken a hit. And we've had these events that have happened and they've been kind of scattered out, which is allowing the markets to kind of absorb the hits. So if you kind of think about, you know, rather than get hit, you know, getting a Mike Tyson knockdown punch, right? (laughs) If you're old enough to remember Mike Tyson. You know, you're getting hit by... You know these lighter kind of punches and so the market's able to absorb these hits and recover from them before the next hit impacts it and so that's that's slowing the momentum of the markets which we've clearly had right you compare the rise in the markets in 2020 2021 and we clearly don't have that kind of you know accelerated exuberance in the markets right now lots of bearishness actually and so the market's able to absorb these hits without collapsing and this is frustrating you know if you're if you're if you're looking for the bearish fallout like I am you know super short the markets and I'm just waiting for the the shoe to drop here and I'm going to make a bunch of money it might not happen and that's what I'm saying is that Lizanne Saunders has a very interesting point here and you know I think we have to consider that because again if the market's able to absorb these hits then that limits the downside risk to the markets now, doesn't mean there's a tremendous amount of upside either. And that's the other side of the coin. So let's assume this. And see, and this is the problem that we face in the market right now in terms of managing money and investing and these type of things. So right now, um, we're entering earnings season. And so far, we've had a couple of banks report and, and those earnings were good. And uh, stocks rallied, and that, that, that kind of gave some relief to the markets. But, then these are the big major banks. We haven't heard from the smaller banks. This week we'll hear from M&T Bank. We'll also hear from State Street, Charles Schwab. And not, I'm not really that concerned about Charles Schwab. They're on the big side, and, and you know, most of their money is on the investment banking uh, – sorry, the uh, investing side of the business. So Schwab's not really – even though they do have a bank, they, you know there is a Schwab Bank, don't get me wrong – um, they're not a, they're not a traditional bank as as we think about it so m t bank um pnc and and some of these small regional banks when they start to report that's going to be a much better tell about where we are actually within this whole banking situation is it what you know was at silicon valley bank and first republic were they just one off events or were they a much more much more kind of you know um, you know, a canary in the coal mine for a bigger kind of banking recession. We'll see. But we'll, we'll get those reports this week. But again, as we kind of just think about these things, uh, you know, again, this makes it challenging because now what the market's expecting is that earnings are going to start to recover after this quarter. So things are going to get better from here. This is expectations from Wall Street analysts by end of 2024, earnings will be back to where they were at the peak of the market in 2022. So again, that, that implies a no-recession scenario with fairly strong economic growth to generate that kind of earnings growth. Markets also expecting the Fed to start cutting rates and inflation to come down. So if inflation is falling, that means that pricing power for earnings will also weaken. So earnings won't be able to grow as fast, which could disappoint markets because earnings aren't growing as fast as markets currently expect. And that could put a cap on prices. So one of the the considerations here is, again, let's go back to, to Lizanne's view, is that, yes, we could be having this rolling recession that limits the downside risk of the market. So maybe there's not another big down leg to equity prices coming. Maybe most of that sell-off has occurred. Maybe not, but maybe this is the consideration. But the other side of this is there's really not a lot of catalyst for a massive amount of upside either. Weaker economic growth, falling inflation is not, not supportive of rapidly growing earnings to support current valuations, which are still elevated. So again, looking at a market environment, we could be in a more disappointing environment from the standpoint that, well, we just really don't go anywhere. We just kind of continue to have these intermittent rallies followed by these intermittent sell-offs. And we just wind up really not making a lot of progress overall. That's going to be the challenge this year. Until we get through all of this. Right, and then we'll be able to look back and say, "Oh yeah, well, there's, you know, the great thing about hindsight is, is that we'll know exactly the what the answer was." All right, be right back after the break. Don't go away. the real investment advice blog it's required reading for the informed investor catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com and welcome back to the show this morning so let's, uh, we were just talking a little bit about this idea of a, kind of this rolling recession. It's kind of just been one little hit after another to the economy and not all at once, which has enabled the markets to hold up better than you would have expected because these hits are kind of getting spaced out enough time to give markets to absorb them. And this, and this is a very important fact about the markets, by the way. Remember that markets are a, a live organism, right? It's buyers and sellers. And the one thing we tend to forget is is we tend to think about the markets as this thing, right? This unintelligent thing that's just there. And it's like, how can the markets be missing this banking crisis? Well, they're not. But we're talking so much about these things, right? You know, last year, everybody was talking about a recession. And so the markets start... Adopting this idea of a recession and pricing accordingly and this is what we we mean by when the market prices things in when everybody's talking about something or if everybody's taking a specific action the market reflects that because the market is a reflection of this organism of buyers and sellers that are out there so again while the market may not do what we think it should do doesn't mean that it's not accommodating these views in one fashion, form, or another. So this is the important thing to always remember. And so this is you know why we kind of get a little confounded with I don't understand why the market's you know not doing this or not doing that because of A, B, or C. It was, it was, well, it is, it is factoring these things in. It's just doing it so in a manner that is not necessarily as bearish as you think it should be. And again, what you think and what the markets think can be two entirely different things. This is why it's important to kind of remain outside that view and just pay attention to what the markets are doing rather than what you think it should do. But again, this idea of this, this rolling recession is something to, to consider because it's allowing the market time to absorb these impacts, talk about retail sales for a second because I thought there was a lot of interesting aspects from the retail sales report that came in on Friday. So on Friday, retail sales dropped by 1%. Now, once we get real retail sales out, that'll be a much you know, deeper decline, obviously, because of inflation. But obviously, retail sales missed expectations by a, a wide margin. This is really the first big hit to retail sales that we've seen during this whole cycle. Right. Retail consumers have been much more resilient on spending up to this point. This is the first real kind of hit. But, you know, we've talked about this for a long time now that, you know, all of that money that we gave to individuals had been in the system. Right. So initially they had cash to spend and then they had and, they, and some of them paid off credit cards. So credit card dropped credit card uh, debt levels dropped which gave them room to start when they ran out of cash, the, the reduced levels of credit card debt gave them room to start ramping up credit again, and banks were still you know, providing more credit through credit cards. Now, banks are pulling that back now. They're not giving people access to as much credit or as easy credit as they were before. And, and here's what's important. If you take a look at that, that retail sales report, you know, kind of buried inside of it, Sales at general merchandise stores were under pressure. This is according to Yahoo Finance. Department store sales were under pressure. Taken together, the retail sales report shouted loudly. The consumer is under increasing stress. And again, that's, that's absolutely correct. Importantly, appliance sales were down. Now, again, this isn't surprising None of this is surprising, right? General merchandise stores, department stores, appliance sales, all those were down. The reason it's not surprising is, is again, let's go back to 2020, 2021. I send you checks. Your stove is fine, it's just old. Right? Your wife's been asking you, she wants, you know, a new gas stove or whatever it is, new microwave. Whatever it is you want for your kitchen, or you want a new deck in the backyard, or new furniture, right? Your couch is fine, but, you know, it's out of date, so you want a new new couch. Whatever it was around your house, new wardrobe. All of a sudden, you had this extra money that you didn't have before, and so you go, hey, let's go buy this stuff, right? Government just gave us free money. Let's go buy that couch. Let's go buy a new stove. Let's go buy a new dishwasher, refrigerator, washer and dryer. Let's build a home office and buy new computers. All those things were going on in the economy in 2020, 2021. But here's what nobody paid attention to was the fact that, well, if I just bought a new stove a year or so ago, I don't need to buy a new stove now. And this is the problem with what we call pull forward consumption. This is when I give you money and you go buy stuff today that otherwise you wouldn't have bought. So, You know, think about it through used cars as a good example. Your car is fine. But I give you enough money as like, yeah, my car's a little old. It doesn't have GPS, right? Whatever. So you go, well, you know, I was going to buy a car in a couple more years, but now that I have this money, I'll just go buy it now. So now you've bought, you've pulled forward that purchase that would have been two years from now. You pulled it forward to this year, but now you're not going to buy a new car in two years. So those purchases for washers, dryers, refrigerators, decks, whatever it was, lawnmowers, all that stuff that people would have bought this year and next year and the year after was bought in 2020, 2021. So now I don't need to buy that stuff. So that void is now getting pulled forward. And as people are running out of cash and they're running out of, you know, credit and those type of things, and this is particularly on those in the bottom 80% of the income earners, as those pockets of cushion evaporate, retail sales will slow down. Now, again, doesn't mean we're going to have a big retail sales crash. That's not what I'm saying. It's just going to slow down, which is going to do what? This is the whole point about inflation, and I've got a report coming out tomorrow on break even inflation rates. Um, Sorry, on Friday on break even inflation rates. But this is the important thing about inflation is that in 2020, 2021, inflation gave pricing power to corporations who were able to say, yeah, I don't have a lot of lawnmowers to sell you because I can't replace them. Right. Nobody's making them right now because everything shut down. So I'm going to charge you more for that lawnmower if you want it. And people were willing to pay a higher price because they wanted it now. Because they didn't have any patience, <laughs> and of course, you know this is where people you know start pointing fingers at corporations. So, greedflation, inflation, No, that's basic economics: supply and demand. That's how capitalism works. You may not like it, but that's the way it works. So now, of course, as inflation, so that gave corporations big pricing power, right? Because all of a sudden. I have a limited supply. I can charge more for it. You've got money to spend on it because the government just gave you money. So, yeah, my profit margins are going to swell a lot. And they did because at the same time that they were able to charge you more for a good or service, they also were laying off all their employees because the economy was shut down, which was really boosting their profit margins. Well, now employment's back. And as inflation is coming down, that means corporations have less pricing power. So earnings will come under pressure. The markets are going to have to adopt for this. But let's continue on with with what's going on in this earnings report. Buried inside the earnings report, moderate prices, uh, moderate paces of growth in debit and credit card spending resulting in big ticket categories such as autos and housing were soft. This is also at the JP Morgan and Wells Fargo. As well, even the big banks are getting hit by this. Poor results from CarMax also pointed to that as auto sales are clearly slowing down now. If you take a look at what's going on with Macy's, Dollar General, Abercrombie and Fitch, they've all underperformed the S&P along with Nike. Over the last three months, as as you know, the the obvious weakness in retail sales is becoming more apparent, and and this is likely going to be a a bit more time that we have to work through this. But this is just a function of a slowing economic environment. Which, by the way, that's what the Fed wants. The Fed wants to slow the economy by hiking interest rates, and you do that by increasing borrowing costs and to get inflation to come down. I've got to slow demand. Again. What is inflation? Inflation isn't this magical, mythical thing that just shows up. It's a very basic premise of economic supply and demand. That is it. I give you money. I shut down the economy. I have demand and no supply. I have inflation. That's it. The inflation wasn't money printing. The inflation wasn't anything else. It is a basic function of supply and demand. That's why you have inflation. Inflation will go away naturally as all that that money that was in the system, right, those checks to households that we sent, as that gets used and floats through the system, and as M2 is a function of GDP, GDP falls, so too will inflation. In other words, as... So demand begins to underperform supply. And this is an interesting point about supply that we'll talk about right after the break is the reversal of two of really three decades of just in time inventory management to just in case inventory management and another big drag on inflation. Talk about that after the break. Don't go away. you can use delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com so back in the 70s and in the 80s um early early 80s right we were starting to come to recognize this thing that Japan was doing at the time, called just-in-time inventory management, and it was slowly getting adopted in the U.S. And, and, and just-in-time inventory management was a revolutionary idea about inventory management because before that, what you know companies would do is they would you, you sell a widget, right? So companies would say, okay, I think I've got, you know, I'm gonna sell a million widgets this year, so they go stock a million widgets in inventory, and they sell it off as orders come in right so they're they're spending all this money on inventory stocking it up in warehouses and then as orders come in they fill the orders right and so that was inventory management system well japan was doing this very different idea and they developed this idea called just-in-time inventory management which was to stock just enough inventory to meet the orders coming in and then as those orders are coming in, you're buying some new inventory to catch the next orders, right? And this kept the cost of managing and maintaining inventories, and especially if you had inventory that was perishable or you know uh, could be destroyed due to you know rust or exposure to you know the elements, whatever it was, you know this this lowered a lot of cost and made the businesses much more profitable. and of course we began to adopt this in the United States, particularly as, we started coming along with things like that stupid program that nobody thought would ever work called FedEx. You know, who the hell needs stuff overnight, right? That's just ridiculous. But as we became more efficient through fax machines and then FedEx, the internet, faster shipping times, so, you know, all these type of things, then inventory management all shifted towards just-in-time. Keeping just enough inventory on hand to meet shipments and I could, because I could get new inventory fairly quickly, so I didn't need to really keep a lot of inventory on hand. This made companies a lot more profitable. Well, that all worked fine and dandy. We talked about this um, back in early 2020 when we shut down the economy. You said this is where just in time management's about to bite you in the butt. Because all of a sudden you couldn't get inventory. Just in time management's fine as long as supply chain is working because I can get the supplies I need, right? That's the whole point of just-in-time management is I keep just enough on hand to meet demand I can go get more stuff and that's fine. That all works until you shut down the economy and you can't get it. And then that's where just-in-time inventory management becomes a problem and that's what happened. Now here's an interesting byproduct of this that's going on now is that we've gone from just-in-time inventory management to just-in-case inventory management. Which is where companies are now holding more inventory, because what happens if? right? Just in case we have another shutdown, I'm going to hold some more inventory on, on hand. And so this has implications, right? Because now the cost of inventories will weigh on profitability as well. Now they're not holding a year's worth of supply, but you know we're definitely seeing increases in the amount of inventory sitting on the books of businesses because, just in case. And, and, and this, is, this kind of goes back to our earlier conversation about why markets, there may not be a lot of downside in markets, but there also may not be a lot of upside in markets either. And as inflation comes down, that's going to weigh on pricing pressures for businesses. And furthermore, if, you know, and again, back to pricing and these type of things, one of the other potential drags on inflation is going to be the fact that at some point, there's a, these companies that are holding these excess inventories. They're going to come back to the realization that, OK, the supply chain is fine. It's not going to get shut down again. So now I need to get rid of this excess inventory. And the only way I do that is how. Cut prices. Which is more deflationary pressures so this is this is part of this that we're going to kind of be watching over the course of the next you know several months but the main takeaway as we head into this week of course is earnings and watch this economic data Today we're gonna to be looking at Empire Fed Manufacturing Indexes, uh, the National Association of Home Builders Index as well. You know, are they becoming, are they starting to see a bottom, you know, potentially in the housing market? They've been much more optimistic than what is going on in the housing market in particular. But we'll see if that, you know, keep a watch on that. You know, one of the things that we are seeing right now is we're seeing an uptick in the home home inventory. I mean, uh, Home home purchase activity because of the very small drop in mortgage rates. A lot of people, you know, kind of like the market, they don't want to miss the bottom. So every time markets drop a little bit, investors are running in to buy up stocks on that kind of the foam. It's what we call reverse FOMO, right? In 2020, 2021, markets are going up and investors were buying on the fear of missing out on the rally. Now it's this fear of missing out on the bottom FOMOB. (laughs) <laughs> so every time market dips a little bit investors are showing up to buy the dip and that's really been the case all last year and it's been the case this year kind of same thing in housing every time there's even just a modest pullback in mortgages people running out and trying to buy a house Because they're afraid they're going to miss out on the decline, even though it's only been a small decline in housing prices on a national, on a national. Now, there's certain areas of of the area, the country that have seen 20 and 30 percent declines in home prices. But those had those were also the areas that had the biggest run ups in home prices in 2020, 2021, you know, California, those those type of areas. Other other parts of the country have not seen that big of a price decline, but people are not are unwilling to try to miss out on this. And so it's just it's a psychology thing with people. But this week, like I said, we've got a lot going on. Uh, we're going to really get into earnings big time this week. Netflix is this week. We've got, uh, like I said, a lot of banks today. We've got Pinnacle, m and uh, J.B. Hunt on the transportation side. Tesla is on Wednesday. Um, Procter & Gamble is on Friday. American Express uh, uh, is Thursday. AT&T. So this week's a lot of earnings. So earnings will be moving the markets for the most part. And again, the thing to really be paying attention to is not the earnings themselves. Again, these earnings have already been dropped a lot since last year. And I was was putting that in the newsletter this past weekend is that we were talking about earnings on, I think, Thursday, that earnings had declined from 220 dollars a share to $172 a share. Well, just in the last two weeks that's numbers already dropped again to 171 and change so just in the last two weeks s p has cut estimates for this quarter earnings even more so we keep lowering that bar so again don't really pay too much attention to what they announce because most likely they're going to beat these estimates because they've been lowered so much but it's going to be more important to pay attention to what they say about future quarters are they getting more optimistic are things improving in their view? That will be what is moving markets more than anything else. So, again, the important takeaway from this, uh, again, is, is I, over the weekend, just everything I was looking at over the weekend, very bearish. You know, a lot of podcasts out right now, the end of the world, um, you know, dollars and, and you, know, this, you know, headline after headline. Very bearish. So it's easy to get on that bearish side, easy to get over there. Right. I'm right there with you. But we also have to remember, as I said, you know, this whole morning is pay attention to what the market's doing versus what you're reading, because those don't necessarily have to align with each other. And again, this idea of this, this idea of a rolling recession, I think, has some merit to it. Now, That doesn't mean there's not some downside left in the markets. I'm not saying that at all. But there is some merit to this idea that this rolling recession has allowed the market to absorb some of these punches and allows it to hold up better than what you might expect because of all the stuff that's going on, right? Do we have a recession coming? Probably. Could it be a really deep recession? Sure, it could be. But it could also be a much milder recession than we expect because of the ability of both the economy over the last year because of all this M2 that's been in the system, M2 as a percentage of GDP, has allowed the economy to slow down without crashing. We'll see. I have no idea. I'm not saying one view is right or the other view is right. I'm not making a declaration of everybody's wrong and I'm right. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying what we have to do as investors is consider possibilities. You know, this has been the, this, the argument that we've been making now for the last eight months. Is just consider the possibilities that whatever view you have, bullish or bearish, could be wrong. Just consider the possibility. And then review your portfolio, your allocation, and say, okay, how am I allocated? And what if I'm wrong? Do I have any type of protection put into place against being wrong one way or the other? What if the market keeps running? And again, this is the one thing about let me give you, let me give Bears some kudo here for just a second. While being bearish is always considered to be bad the one good thing about being bearish is is that you're really kind of hedged against losing money you may not make money but you're probably not going to lose a lot of money bulls on the other hand can make a lot of money but if they're wrong they can lose a lot of money so one thing about being a little bit bearish in your portfolio right now is that considering we don't know where things are going at least it limits the ability for you to have losses just one thing to take away. Anyway, wraps up the show for today. Get by the website. Our latest newsletter is out. It's on the website now, realinvestmentadvice.com. I'll have our blog post out tomorrow, as always. And, of course, we'll be back in the morning. Uh, we'll talk about what goes on with these earnings today with Schwab, Pinnacle, m and others. We'll talk about what those first initial blushes look like and how the market responded. We'll do that in the morning. In the meantime, have a great day. We'll see you back then.